May is Missions Month. You're getting it. All right. May is Missions Month. And um, the reason we take four, we take five weeks this year. May is a five-week month this, Sunday, this, this year is because mission is why we exist. We've been talking about that, and, and as you've been here the last number of weeks, you're starting to understand maybe it's not about missions necessarily, it's mission, that God has a mission. His mission was to send His Son into the world that was separated from Him so that, so that through His Son people could be reconciled. Back to when we looked at the ministry of reconciliation last Sunday or a couple Sundays ago, and looking at the fact that that's the mission of God. And that God has invited all of us. Matter of fact, the reason that we're in uh, stay at Earth after we get saved is to reach people for God. Guess what? Read the Book of Revelation five and seven. You know what they do in in what's what's a picture of the saints doing in heaven in those two in Revelation five and seven? They're worshiping, so we can worship in heaven, right? Okay, we don't have to be on Earth to worship. We can worship in heaven. Um, we come to church and worship. You know what? We're here to do the mission of God. And the mission is to bring people into a right relationship. Our part of bringing people into a right relationship with God. So the last two weeks of May, we've been focusing on the dimension of mission or missions about the fact that, that missions starts at home. That uh, Jesus himself said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses starting in Jerusalem and then Judea, Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. That the mission of God would start locally and spread globally. That mission or missions is local is where where its origin starts. It begins among our families and our neighbors and our friends. And that the goal of the local mission that we're part of is hanging above my head right now. That God's plan is to use each one of us to reach someone who doesn't know Christ. And the reason I wanted to put that up there and we're going to have this hanging for a long time is remind us that, it's, that we think of mission as something so large sometimes that we, get, that we get afraid of it. We say, well, how can I change the world? Well, God didn't ask you to change the world. God asked each one of us to bring one person into his kingdom, and that changes their world. And we said it, I think, last week. We said, just imagine this. If each one of us would take this seriously in 2011, and each one of us God used to bring one person into the kingdom, we would double the size of our congregation in one year, and we'd have absolutely no place to put somebody. Matter of fact, I said last week, I said, look around, and there was hardly any empty seats. It was the, the women's week for um, Southern Prairie Treat, and the only empty seats were one little section over here. And I said, if anybody else was here, we would have been full. And so God wants a lot of fish in the boat. We talked about that last week. That's all mission. And if each one of us will reach one of us, reach one person, God's nets will be full. The boat will be, will be full. And so each one of us, God has called as part of his kingdom to reach others for him. And we want, the reason I'm spending two weeks on this today is because I think oftentimes we believe that this is somebody else's job. It's the pastor's job. It's uh, whomever's job. It's that gifted evangelist job. You know, there are certain people, the Bible says, that are gifted evangelists. They have a spiritual gift of evangelism. That's their job. But we're all called to reach people for Christ. We're all called to make friends with people who don't yet know Christ. And that causes us to evaluate our world. Because a lot of times after we've served God for a short time, you don't even know anybody anymore that doesn't know Christ. 
And God's trying to shake us up a little bit these last couple of weeks and say, listen, it's our opportunity to join in the mission, to rub shoulders with some people who don't know me so that you as one can reach one more person and bring one more into the kingdom. Well, last week we laid the foundation for this idea of missions starting locally. We talked about how all of us are to be involved in bringing people into the kingdom of God for a very specific reason. And it's a reason that said it went beyond our personal traits, our personal abilities, our personal giftedness. It went to the fact that as Christians, we say we're, if we say we're a Christian, we know from the scriptures that we then have the Spirit of God within us. And we looked at the fact that the Bible teaches that the natural outflow of the inflow of the Holy Spirit is the participation in God's mission. That Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Spirit's power, then you will become witnesses. That he gives us his Holy Spirit power to enable us to participate in the mission of God of seeking and saving people who don't yet know Christ. And we found that God wants to use each one of us as his, as his representatives right where we are among our friends and our family, our neighbors and our, and our classmates. And I'd recommend something. If you weren't here last Sunday that you would go on our website, portfewchurch.com, and, free, and download the free podcast and listen to last Sunday's message. Because this Sunday can stand alone on its own, but this Sunday is really built upon last Sunday. And the two together, I, I believe God has led us to lay as a foundation for how he wants to have us involved in mission here locally. So now for today, I want to, to take the next step in, in looking at mission starting locally And I want to help you understand more about the how-to of reaching people for God. The how-to, how you can participate with God in the mission that He's called you to of bringing one person to Christ. Now to do that, I need to start again like we did last week with a foundational principle. And understand that this principle that we're going to talk about today, I think is absolutely vital for us to really, we need to grasp it, we need to understand it so that we can, if we grasp this, this will help us to, to um, be successful at bringing people into the kingdom. And the principle is this, and one that maybe you haven't thought about, but one that if you will understand, and then we'll take the steps following understanding this principle, it will make you, it'll change how you look at the world around you. It'll change how you look at your family. It'll change how you look at your neighbors. It will change how you look at the people you work with or you go to school with, and it's this. That God, this is a principle, is that God is always at work around you. That God is always at work in the lives of the people around you. That God himself, this morning, is orchestrating events to accomplish his mission of bringing people from darkness to light, bringing people into his kingdom so that they will come to know Christ and have their sins forgiven. It's a matter of fact, Scripture says it's why the Father sent the Son. That's why it says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, right? Into this world so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. That's the mission of God. And he is orchestrating events right now, today, to accomplish his mission. Understand something, God's always at work around you. He's working in the lives of the people that you rub shoulders with every day. He's the one at work. And understand this, that that God never asked you to go out and do this, each one reaching one, on your own. He didn't just wake up one day and say, Mark, go reach the world for me. 
That's not what he says. Rather, Scripture shows us that, that he calls us to join with him in the work that he is already doing. That God's at work orchestrating events to bring people into his kingdom. And since he is always at work around us, working the lives of people, then this is a key. The how-to of each one reaching one is tied to us knowing what God is doing in people's lives around us and then joining with him in that activity. That when we understand that God is working in the lives of the people around us who don't yet know him, that we, when we understand that he is doing something in their life, we can partner with him in that, and then our ministry and mission is successful. You see, you need to understand this. That for God to accomplish his mission, God has chosen to work through people. That God has chosen to work through people like you and me. So God wants to work through each of us in the work that he's trying to accomplish in the lives of the people that you rub shoulders with every day. That God works through people like you and God works through people like me. And some of you think, well, God doesn't work through people like me. Yes, he does. He works through common, ordinary, everyday people to accomplish his extraordinary mission of saving people who are lost. You know how I know that? Because the Bible proves it. Think with me for a minute about the history of Scripture. When God was about to judge the world early on in the, after creation, the world had become out of hand, filled with sin, the Bible says filled with violence, God was going to do it, going to judge the world. What did he do? He came to an ordinary man named Noah. An ordinary man. didn't say anything extraordinary about the man. It just says that, that he walked in righteousness. That he, that he, God is going to do this amazing thing of, of starting the world over. And he comes to Noah and he was said, I'm going to accomplish something, Noah, and I'm going to do it through you. God works through people. When God was going to build a nation for himself, he said, you know what? I'm going to show the world who I really am. I'm going to build a nation called Israel for myself and I'm going to reveal myself, my ways through this nation. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to raise them up so they can be my representation in the world. He spoke to a man. He called Abraham. He said, I'm going to do this will through you. When God heard the cries of the children of Israel when they were in bondage in Egypt, and he decided that he was going to set them free from slavery, what did he do? He worked through a man. He called Moses. And Moses led God in that plan. You see, God is always at work around us. Noah didn't dream up the work. Abraham didn't dream up the work. Moses didn't dream up the work. God was always at work and is always at work around us. And God then selects us. He invites us to get involved with him in the work that he is doing. So friends, for each one reach one, the key is this. When you see the Father at work around you, that is your invitation to join him in what he is doing. And friends, you know, we have a great example of that. Jesus himself did exactly that. Grab your Bible. Turn with me to the book of John. John chapter 5. Something that maybe you haven't thought of before. John chapter 5, starting in verse 17. We look at the example of how God, how Jesus worked in relationship to the Father, and that's an example of how we work in relationship to the Father. John chapter 5, starting in verse 17, it says this, But he answered them, and him, he is Jesus, it says, My Father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, 
Because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but he also was calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing, nothing is underlined in my Bible, nothing of himself, unless it is something he sees, and sees is underlined in my Bible, sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself is doing, and the Father will show Him greater works than these so that you will marvel. Look what the example of Christ shows us. Jesus didn't do anything, it says. He didn't do anything spiritual where it affected the lives of people by his own invention. He didn't do any of it just saying, I got an idea today, I think I'm going to do this. No, it says he did what he saw the Father doing around him. In other words, he joined with the Father in the work that the Father was already doing. Now the question is then, how in the world did Jesus know and how do we know what the Father was doing around him? How do we know? The answer is simple. He watched for God's activity in the lives of the people that he rubbed shoulders with. It says the Father loved Jesus and took the initiative to reveal what he was doing or was about to do. Jesus was watching for the Father's activity around him, so he recognized what he was doing and could join with him in that work. That's how he reached lost people. The reason he would know to go to Matthew the tax collector instead of Frank the tax collector was because he could recognize that God was working in his life. The reason he went to, to Peter as a fisherman instead of George the fisherman was because somehow God was showing him that he was doing something in the life of that man and he saw that God was working in his life and he partnered with what the Father was doing and the result was they came to know God the Father through Jesus the Son. You see, as God's obedient children... As we walk in a love relationship with the Father, He will show us where He is working so we can join with Him in His work. And then His mission will be accomplished. So there's these two important factors that are necessary for you to recognize God's activity around you that we see in Jesus' life. The first one is this. You've got to live in a love relationship with the Lord. You've got to be in a relationship where you're in, a, in such a relationship with God that you can actually hear what He has to say. That means coming to know Him as Savior and then walking with Him daily. And then also, as you're walking with Him daily, then there's where we got to really get it. Where I think we get that first point. The second point is this, that we must be watching so we can see what He was doing, what He is doing around us, and then join Him in it. We have to walk through our daily life with our eyes wide open, watching for what the Father is doing so that we can join with Him. Now, friends, here's where we can make it really practical and really applicable. And it's here, how you reach, each one reaches one. As you are watching for God's activity, understand that certain things in people's lives can only be the result of the activity of God. You say, how do I know the activity of God? How do I recognize it in somebody's life? Primarily through this. There are certain things that go on in people's lives that the only reason they're going on is because the activity of God in their life. You see, the scriptures show us clearly 
that when people show an interest in the things of God, that that can only be the result of the activity of God in their life. It can only be the activity of God that would cause a person to think about the things of God and ask questions about the things of God or show interest in the things of God. And what we're looking for is the activity of God. So when we see somebody have showing interest in the things of God, it is evidence of the activity of God in their life. And so it's a place that we join God. The scriptures say this to show that that is, is true. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 says this. It says, listen to this, there is... No one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. And Dick, I'm going to raise my hand here. (laughs) He knows what I'm talking about. There is no one righteous. I told him I'd read the scripture really slowly. There is no one, not one, who understands. No one seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Think he's making a point here? He says, no one on their own, without divine intervention, will seek God. No one on their own, without divine intervention, will seek to be righteous. No one on their own, without divine activity, will turn to God. Then in John chapter 6, Verse 44, a verse that I quote to you almost every week at the end of the service. It says this, No one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent him draws him. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent him draws him. No one ever desires to come to Christ, to learn about Christ, unless the Father is already at work in their life situation. So friend, the key to this thing, to reaching people, is that we need to understand this. When you encounter someone who is showing interest in spiritual matters, that is the result of God working in their life. Because they would never do that on their own. Scripture says no one seeks God on their own. So if you find someone that is showing interest in spiritual matters, that is the result of God working. When you encounter someone understanding spiritual truth, that is the reality of God working. When you find someone feeling convicted about sin, that is the reality of God at work in their life. And friends, when you see any of these things happening you know God is at work in that person, and that is God's invitation for you to get involved. That's the key. You see, the mission is to bring people into the kingdom, but understand, not everybody's going to come in. They all have the opportunity, but not everyone. Matter of fact, the Bible says, narrow is the way, and few are those who will walk in it. Not everybody's going to choose to decide. And you know what? You can spend all your time with people who choose to reject the things of God and you'll never reach somebody for Christ. But if you walk through your life with your eyes wide open and you're looking for the activity of God in somebody's life and you see they're asking spiritual questions, they're feeling convicted about sin, you're seeing the reality of the activity of God in your life, you say, light bulb goes on, God's working in their life, that's the person that I have to get involved with. 
The key to understanding how to do effective ministry in reaching the lost or any effective ministry is to look for the activity of God and join God in what He's doing. I've heard a person say it this way. You've got to surf the waves that God creates. That's what you're doing. That's how I try to pastor a church. I constantly am looking every day of my life. What is God doing in the church? What is God doing in the community? What is God doing in individual lives? And I try to surf the wave that God's created. That's how you reach people. People have often said to me, how come everywhere you go you seem to lead people to Christ? It's not from being smart, because I'm not. It's not from being overly gifted, because I'm not. It's from simply understanding the simple principle that God is at work around you, and you look for the activity of God in people's lives, and when you see somebody who the evidence of God is working in their life, that's the person you seize on. You stop everything else, and you invest into that situation. And you invest, you say, you know what, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that. I was going to do that, but I'm not going to now because I need to invest right there. And you invest in that situation, and you know what happens? You simply partner with God in what He's doing. And God uses you to bring somebody to His kingdom. God uses you to bring people forward in their walk with God. And it's not because of you, it's all because of Him. Effective ministry is never tied to your ability. Effective ministry is tied to your obedience of walking with God and doing what He calls you to do. You want to be effective. You want to reach people. What you do is you live your life understanding that God's at work around you. And you look for the situations that God is already at work. And get this, it's not something you can invent on your own. It's something that God will give you the ability. He will show every one of you, if you say, God, I want eyes to see. He will show every one of you where he's working around you. You know why? Because we saw it last week. He puts you in the pond you're in on purpose. You don't know what I'm talking about? Listen to last week's message. He puts you in the pond that you're in on purpose because he created you to be a what? Anybody? A fish hook. He created you to be the fish hook. Remember, that's a, not a devil's tail. It's a fish hook. You weren't here last week. You know what we're talking about. That's a fish hook, not the devil's tail. He created you to be a fish hook in that pond. He puts you there on purpose, and he's going to open up your eyes. None of you are too young. None of you are too old. None of you are too, too busy to walk through life with eyes wide open, saying, God, I want to see where you're at work. Help me to join with you. So, when you see any of these things of the activity of God happening, you know God is at work in a person's life, and that is God's invitation for you to get involved in their life. You say, okay, how do I get involved? I didn't go to Bible school. How do I get involved? You don't have to go to Bible school. You know how you get involved? A couple of things. First thing you do, I think the first thing you do, it's what I do, is you, number one, you take the risk of starting a spiritual conversation. You take the risk. Remember, these are people, for the most part, that you know already. They're in your ponds. They're in your family. They're, they're co-workers. They're fellow students. They're neighbors. There are generally people that you already know. God, God's primary thing is He sticks you into a pond so that you will come to know Him, and it's like a domino effect. You affect one. Remember, we talked about yeast last week. You affect one, and that one affects one, and that one affects one, and that one affects one, and pretty soon the whole pond has been fished out. Right? And so the, th the first thing you do is you understand it's generally somebody you know already. And so when you see the activity of God, they start to ask questions about God. They start feeling convicted about how they live. They start asking questions about your walk with God. 
And if you're living it, shining it all for Jesus, this happens to you on a fairly regular basis, unless you've insulated yourself so much against the world, everybody around you is also a Christian. And then I say, you better rip off some insulation and get spend some time with some people who don't know God, because the mission, the reason you exist, is to spend time with people and bring them into the kingdom. Last week I told you to join a bowling league if you don't do something, that you spend time with lost people. So the first thing you do in that relationship, in that pond you're in, is that you take the risk of starting a spiritual conversation. That doesn't mean you go up to them with your Bible and you say, do you know that John 3.16 says this? That doesn't usually work. You know, you start a spiritual conversation. For the most part, starting a spiritual conversation is asking questions. You ask them a question. You know God's acting in their life. You see the reality. Certain things happen that only God can do. They're interested in spiritual things. That's absolutely the work of God. That's absolutely an invitation for you to get involved. Yes, questions. They say, you know what, Bill? What's going on in your life? What's happening? You'd be surprised when you ask somebody a question how much often just like opening up the floodgate and they go, blah, and it all comes out. Right? What's going on in your life? And you listen. They will, especially, you're rubbing shoulders on them, they probably know you're a believer already anyways. And they're going to start talking about what's important, what's really happening in their life. You ask them, you know what, Sally, is there something you'd like to talk about? It's happening. You say, you know what, something going on in your life that I could pray for? Because oftentimes when you see the activity of God in someone's life, it's during a crisis time in their life. Death. Birth, transition, those times. It's a crisis time, and that's when they start thinking about the things of God. Now, are they thinking about the things of God because it's a crisis time? No. They're thinking about the things of God then because God's working in their life. And they're asking questions. And they're saying things that reveal that God's working. And you say to them, could I pray for you about something? And then you take a real risk. You say, could I pray with you about something? I've almost never found a person say, no, you can't pray with me. And you wait for time to be private and quiet. You wait for work to be over. And you say, you know what, can I pray for you? And you just you say, can I put my hand on your shoulder? You don't be creepy. And you just pray for them. They will start crying 100% of the time. 99% of the time they'll start crying. Because they're going to sense the presence of God. You ask them, you said, are there any questions maybe that you have about the things of God that we could talk about? And friends, when you do this, talk like a normal human being. Don't start suddenly trying to talk like a Bible theologian. Talk like a normal human being. Just begin to talk normal like you would normally talk to them about the things of God. Don't try to throw out a bunch of theological terms. That's not what they want to hear. Talk about the reality of walking with God. You know what? And then if they respond favorably to your risk of starting a spiritual conversation, go forward slowly. Slowly. Remember, you are not trying to get them to make a decision to serve Christ on the spot. If you're trying to do it, you're going to blow it. You're not trying to make them, get them to do that on the spot. You are just helping them. You are just explaining things to them. You're just telling them your story. Scripture says they overcame by the blood of the land and the word of what? Their testimony. You tell them your story. You tell them your testimony. You answer questions that they have. See, God's the one doing the work. 
You're just the helper. And you know what? As you take that spiritual conversation risk, if they're resistant, don't push. Moms and dads, if they're resistant, don't push. Remember, God is the one who does the drawing. And that person has to want to go forward. You know the church history, what we've done in church history? Conquered lands. Took all the heathen, marched them through rivers, came out the other side, said, now you're baptized, and slaughtered them. That really happened in real church history. You know what? You can't force somebody to want to serve God. They've got to respond to the drawing that God is doing. They've got to do it. So you don't push. You allow God to do the work. And when you open up that door, and even if they, sit, they, kind, of, they kind of hold back, then you have opened up the door so they know that when they are ready to talk, they can come to you another time and you'll be there for them. Don't burn the bridges that God's trying to use you to create. Open up the conversation and ask them and allow God to work. You say, what do I do next? In my opinion, the best thing you can do at that point is to look for the right opportunity to invite them to come to church with you. I honestly believe it's the most effective thing you can do. Unless you have the gift of evangelism, and anybody can lead anybody to Christ anywhere. You don't need the gift of evangelism. But I would say this, from 20 years of pastoring and from being part of leading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to Christ through other people, that in my, in my opinion, the best thing you can do at this point is to invite them to come to church with you. Because, friends, there's something very powerful about the Holy Spirit's activity at church. At a church that is unified. At a church that preaches the gospel. At a church that gives people an opportunity to respond to what God is doing in their lives. You know what happens? People come to know Christ. I told Pastor Pete this morning. I said, I know it's, it's Memorial Day weekend. There's not a lot of people around right now. But I said, Pastor Pete, we just surpassed 55 people giving their heart to the Lord and being baptized in water in the last 20 months. 55 over that in 20 months. You know why that is? God. And almost all of it comes from each one reaching one. It wasn't because of an evangelism program at the church. It's from just you reaching someone that God put in your life and God was working with them and you invite them to church generally and they come into the situation here and they come experience and encounter the reality of God. They experience Him and they come to know Him. You see, all of you, any of you, can be a bringer, can bring people with you. Bring people to the place that God has designed for them to come to know Him and to grow in a relationship with Him. He's the one who said, and I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's the one who had the idea, I'm going to gather Christians together, and they're going to worship, and they're going to listen to the Word, and as they do that, others are going to be brought in, and they're going to experience God, and their lives are going to be transformed. So bring them with you. And let me tell you something. This is going to take the pressure off of some of you. Because some of you, I know, don't have my personality. I was joking last week. I said I'd talk to a fence post if I'm by myself. Talk to a guitar. You know, I have never met a stranger. You know, I just, anywhere. That, but that's not your personality. And so, 
Some of you feel a lot of pressure. And I know that you want to join God in His work. I know you want to join God in His work because if you don't want to join God in the mission, it tells me you can't yet possibly have the Holy Spirit within you. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not even a believer. And so if you're a believer, you have the Spirit of God and the natural outflow of the inflow of the Spirit is that you want to join God in the mission. And so I believe every one of you who claims Christ has a passion within you to want to reach lost people. Otherwise, the Scripture is a lie. And I don't believe that. I believe the Scripture is real. But some of you feel pressured. You want to join God in His work, but you're just afraid that you won't know what to do or what to say. Look at the person next to you and say this word to them. Say, relax. Relax. Just love on people. And just then invite them to come with you to church. They can only say no. Just relax. Express love and invite them to come with you. Because that's what's going to happen when they come. We as a church will give them an opportunity to encounter the presence of God. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. When you, what you've experienced in this place is the presence of God. We give people the opportunity to encounter the presence of God. And then we give them an opportunity to respond, not to coercion, because we never do it. We give people the opportunity to respond to the ministry of God in their life. That's why I end every service and I say, if God is doing something in your life and this is what you're feeling... I want to give you a chance to respond. We're just partnering with the work of God. We're not trying to create something. We're not trying to coerce somebody. We're not trying to invent something. We're just saying we know the mission of God that encompasses the whole world is to bring lost people to Him. And He created the church to be a place where that happens. And so if we just look to His presence, we come in and we look at His Word and we give people an opportunity to experience Him and respond, guess what they do? They do. They respond. The presence of God. So you know what? Any of us can be a bringer. So relax. Love on people. Invest into them. And then invite them to come with you to church. And by the way, for those of you who are worried, you're really worried for no reason at all. Because the Holy Spirit of God will help you when you're taking a risk for Him. He will cause you to do what you can't do. Because He says... And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. He says the Spirit of God will empower you to do, be a witness for Him. God wants... Some of you say, you know what, this Christian life is boring. You know why it's boring? The power of God is never flowing through your life. You know why the power of God is not flowing? You don't need the power of God to come to church. You don't need the power of God to tithe. You need the power of God to, to, to minister for Him. Life is not boring when you take risks for God. And He wants to empower you, the Spirit flowing through you. The natural outflow of the inflow of the Spirit is that you will be witnesses. So you're really worried for nothing because it's not about you anyways. God's going to help you know what to say. God's going to help you know what to do. Remember, witnessing is the natural outflow of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So let me just encapsulate this whole thing. Wrap it up. You know why? because I want you to be able to take it with you and apply it so that each one of you in this place can be used of God to reach one person. You want your life to be to, to know your life matters? Have God use you. You partner with the work of God and He uses you to bring someone in the kingdom. It'll give you a reason to get out of bed in the morning more than earning a paycheck or taking care of kids. It's eternal. 
summarize it. What God is at work around us always in the lives of the people that we encounter and we rub shoulders with. When you see the activity of God in people's lives, that is your invitation to join with Him in His work. And then you join with Him in His work by starting a spiritual conversation, letting, getting the ball rolling, and then loving on them, and then inviting them at some point when you feel led by the Spirit to come with you to church. You can share the whole gospel before you. can pray and lead them to Christ in your living room. I say do it. But I say, you know what? Take some pressure off if that's made it really intimidating and just bring them along to church. You know what? A promise of a free lunch afterwards will bring a lot of people to church. I'll take you to Denny's. A little bit of a Denny's around here. I'll take you to the old, the old George Webb port something. Porthouse. Buy you lunch afterwards if you come to church with me on Sunday. You say, that's bribery, yeah? The Bible says, use unrighteous mammon, money, for righteous purposes. What's a better way to use your money? Because guess what? It's not yours anyway. Not one nickel of it. It's 100% his. Don't you think he'd want to use his money to reach his people? You understand everything that the church has and you have is not ours. It's his. And he's entrusted it to us. Why? To just give it away and use it for bringing people in the kingdom and helping become disciples. That's the only reason he gave it to us in the first place. Not to buy bigger and better. Not that bigger and better is necessarily wrong. So we join with him by starting a spiritual conversation and then by inviting them to church with us. Can you imagine what would happen? What God could do if each one of us would recognize every day that God's at work around them? They'd go to the workplace and their school and the grocery store and everywhere with eyes wide open saying, God, what are you doing in the lives of people around you? Of me. And then God would illuminate in your eyes what God is doing and you would simply take a risk of, of starting a conversation with those people, of bringing them into your world. And God would use you and me to bring more people into the kingdom. Can you imagine what happened if each one of us, that would be the reason we got out of bed in the morning? We could not build boats big enough to hold all the fish. That's God. That's the picture that he's trying to show us. Listen to me, Peter. Drop, I know you know how to fish. Drop the net on the other side. If you bring in the net, what the harvest is too big to even contain it. Was it because he was a great fisherman? No. He went against everything he knew. And he just listened to God. And God brought in a harvest. That's God's plan for Portview Church. Some of you have lost relatives, husbands, wives, children. Uncles, aunts, nephews, nieces. God put you in that family on purpose. Walk through your family this holiday season if you get together Memorial Day with eyes wide open, not being some wild-eyed, crazy, non-thinking evangelist, but being a person who walks in there and says, God, let me see where you're working. And little cousin Betty starts asking you questions. That's the sign. Work with that person. Can you imagine... What God could do if each of us would walk through every day with eyes looking for what he would do. Boats couldn't be built big enough to handle all the catch of fish. Friends, that's our challenge. Each one, reach one. Doesn't take any more time. Doesn't really change your job. Doesn't change your activities. It says just have eyes open when you do it. And God will use you. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning?